No. I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, Shiyukh. Um, so kind of, I guess, building off on that point a little bit, um, and we kind of addressed this a little bit yesterday as well, uh, when we spoke a little bit about Rijal and leadership, especially from, you know, the brothers in the community and how generally that's been lacking as, as Muslim men, you know, developing and becoming leaders or taking charge, you know, um, leading by example, whether it's even within their own homes, um, you know, with their families. So what advice would you give to, you know, uh, young brothers who are trying to maybe take on that role or kind of look into the best method of, of, of proceeding in that manner? Yes, we can, we can start as well. I would, uh, like, th this is a big topic, like, the building of uh, strong, strong men. And uh, it can't be done in a Gillette commercial, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know. This is what it means to be a real man, you know. And then, wh what is it, like... Don't beat women. That was the message, or what was? <laughs> be respectful for women. Like, so uh, that's obviously one lens to look at something. Uh, but the uh, I would say one thing that I think general society, but especially it's affecting the men. It's affecting the men a lot uh, because if you uh, study uh, history and you see the types of men who had an impact in life, on their families, in society, are those who did not gravitate towards comfort. I think the lives are too comfortable for brothers. I think it's way too comfortable. And, and we lean on that way too much. So parents make life too comfortable. Uh, like, they don't put any responsibility. Like, there's no responsibility to keep covering for, like, you know, their, their, their kids. And they're making a generation of like these wimps, you know, by making life so comfortable. And everyone just wants to gravitate towards comfort. You know, I, I just need to have a few things to make my life comfortable. No, you have to actually run away from it. You have to actually make yourself, growth only happens through discomfort. Growth never happens through, through a comfortable situation. Growth, child, think about this. The growth of your muscles only occurs when you put it through strenuous, uncomfortable stress that's how you get growth of muscles you know what I mean any type of growth you need to put it in some type of discomfort when your life is so comfortable there is no prevailing need that's how we're wired you know what I mean how did how did humanity survive you know subhanallah how did how did uh, like after the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala think about how men you know what men had to do to advance society like working in coal mines and getting black lung and dying working out in the fields like this area here do you know how like the areas around here how many men died working building these highways and things like that and cutting down trees and going into the mountains and uh, like, you know, uh, on the oil rigs. That was like when the oil uh, industry first developed, that was a death sentence, you know, when you, were, you would work on the oil rigs. Even now, it's very dangerous. Fort McMurray, like, you know, so many injuries. I know a Muslim brother who uh, used to drive up, you know, to Fort McMurray all the time. They used to call it the highway of death or something. Yeah, and he was, why he got paralyzed? You know what I mean? So, like, we have to understand that society, the way it advanced, 
was when people and uh, now we're just focusing you know on the men because you know women they suffered a lot too because that's suffering when you're taking care of you know the 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 home and you're trying to manage everything and you didn't have all the conveniences and you don't have all these appliances and you're cleaning your washing things and then you have to maybe help in the farm you know that's like you know men and women suffered together to for their children to help advance society okay but we need to kind of think about that's what actually brought progress you know that's what brought progress is suffering discomfort uh putting yourself on the line people who discovered the west here for example western canada you know they came from uh societies that were established to come into a society to establish it you know what i mean so i think one thing if you want to take for yourself because sometimes your parents won't do this for you because they're they're making your life too comfortable is you have to embrace being uncomfortable you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and if you can start doing that you can start growing as an individual so from an islamic tarbiyah type of sense or you know from an islamic development type of sense that means it's like okay maybe uh i put more time into the community maybe i will put up more with the um the criticism of the uncles even though i want to like every time i go in the community i'll, I'll have to i'm not going to be so soft that if an uncle criticizes me that i'm just going to leave the game you know what i mean uh i i'm i'm going to be okay with i'm going to make myself uncomfortable i'm going to go travel to to learn a little bit and, and traveling doesn't mean just go overseas like within just canada there's so many awesome shiuk and duaat and people that you can learn from and you know you brothers uh, you know have done that as well with uh with the camp so uh be comfortable with being uncomfortable you know take uh your you know unhealthy out of shape body and put it through the grinder and be comfortable with being sore you know people who like who like to work out they like that soreness oh yeah it's good workout got sore you know what i mean and then that's like to me i look at that man and then i look at some other man's like uh oh, i got sore in the workout and we did too hard workout you know <laughs> so <laughs> i think i injured something right <laughs> and the other was like ah oh, i feel the burn right this is two different personalities two two different men right intellectually right to ch- challenge yourself to develop yourself right go to abdurrahman learn your tajweed better right stuff like that <laughs> be comfortable with being uncomfortable right so i think that's in a in a very quick thing uh because this is a big topic um that men need to start embracing because that's how men moved society forward that's how men from islamic community they were able to move advanced islamic civilization right so i add one thing that be either the point that dr said mentioned and that is in relation to you know the tarbiyah that you are brought up with during the sahaba's time we find that in the examples in the statements of many of the sahaba train your children to be able to ride horseback yes. um archery these are physical sports i mean we all tried archery yesterday when you pull it back and if you do it the wrong way and it hits you in the face that's that's painful yeah. it hit me a couple of times in the face so i know so it it's it's a rewarding uh you know uh, activity but at the same time a painful one it's not easy and at the same time you're doing horseback we did that we did that in the previous time it's not e- an easy activity as well so you're told to take on activities that take you out of your comfort zone and would give you you know a conditioning for your body so it conditions your body as you said dr said in terms of 
being comfortable with what is uncomfortable, that definitely, we find that in the, the narrations, in the hadith. So I think this is something very important to take to heart, inshallah, bin uh, Actually, Sheikh, now that you mentioned some of the activities from the sunnah, yeah. uh, like archery, uh, like um, uh, horseback riding, and then wrestling. Yes. You know, uh, uh, so um, a person who actually knows how to wrestle feels self-confident. Yeah. Yes. You know, they're actually less cowardly. And yeah. I, I, the people actually that are the most toughest are the ones that are the most respectful. You know, because they're secure in themselves, they have self-confidence. And also, uh, the, the one that I went mentioned in the last is swimming. As, yeah. as the Sheikh was saying, to, to get outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Sheikh, in the Arabian Peninsula, do they have swimming pools everywhere? Ah. Isn't it a very strange, Ajeeb thing to say, yeah. learn swimming? Yes, subhanAllah. Right? Because it would probably be very uncomfortable oh, yeah. for the Bedouin to learn swimming. It would probably be one of the most uncomfortable things, correct? You would swim in the sand. But then <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if they saw a big body of water, right? Yeah, they'd be like, oh, I'm not used to the water, right? As opposed Allah to somebody yes. who lives on the coasts and they're used True. to swimming and, and things like that. Yeah. So one of the sunnah activities is swimming, learn to swim. Yes. And that for those people, especially at that time, would have been very challenging. Yes. You know, it's not like today you go to the rec center, you have a swimming pool, you go to the... You know, and, and learn to swim and you have somebody teaching you lessons and you go through the different, you know, colors. Oh, you're yellow now. Okay. And now you can go without the doggy paddle, <laughs> you know, and you're red or blue or whatever the, the different colors as you move up. They're different now, by the way. The, they describe it like you're an otter or you're a dolphin. They use animals now. But, but now it's like, but imagine you don't have anybody to teach you. Like how many experts are there? in Hijaz <laughs> to teach you to swim, learn to swim. You have to go in and not drown. That's how you learn to swim. <laughs> right, Jay? That's true, that is true, yes. So. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Is, um, like with the topic of tarbiyah, mm. how do you, how do you reflect, how do you self-reflect and identify shortcomings in your tarbiyah? Because most of the time when there is a shortcoming, um, you're like uh, you're not aware of it, right? Like, how would you identify uh, that there's a shortcoming in your tarbiyah, and what are the way what are the ways of going about uh, strengthening that part of your tarbiyah? If you know what I mean. So, what do you mean by tarbiyah? You gotta be more specific. Like, because it's a general term that can include personal, many things. Uh, your personal de development, right? Okay. Like, um, you, yeah. So because you have the spiritual the development that can be called tarbiyah as well. Mm. Yeah. Then you have your physical development that's tarbiyah too. Right. So there's different forms of tarbiyah. So yeah. let's say you're looking at in terms of your deen. That's another form of tarbiyah where you're falling short, for example. Right. You. Uh, and this is where we have to be truthful to ourselves. I mean, we can kid ourselves the whole day, but when it comes down to being real, you have to be able to pinpoint. And we all know ourselves best. I mean, I don't need someone to come to me and say, oh, I think you're falling short on this. They don't know what I'm falling short on because it's very personal to myself. So for anyone who does feel that they need, you know, like some uh, tips on this, I would say first and foremost, be truthful to yourself, be real, pinpoint where exactly you think you're falling short. I'll give you an example. Let's say in terms of, no, not now we're traveling, but in, in the sense that you're back in your hometown, one way to look at it is that and you can ask yourself, am I performing all the sunnah prayers? For example, you're not, you're, not, you're not doing the sunnah prayers, but yet you're preaching, you're giving that hadith, that whoever performs 12 raka'ah in the course of the day and night, 
Allah will build them a house in Jannah. You're preaching this, but you never do it once yourself. So this is in itself a shortcoming. How do I rectify it? I do the work. I get down and implement this hadith in my life. And so on and so forth with every other thing. That way you can find those points where you're falling short, build on you know, those weaknesses to become stronger, inshallah. And you know, take this as an example throughout all of the, the fiqh uh, issues that you may come across on a day-to-day basis. So that, that would be one would look at you know, rectifying shortcomings in your tarbiyah in terms of your deen. Right? You also have tarbiyah in terms of your aqidah. Right? So how would that be you know, rectified? We, we ask ourselves those basic questions in light of the six pillars of faith, six articles of faith. You know, with each of them, am I fully aware of these as I should be aware of them, for example? You begin to look into them further. And as you're building yourself, gaining knowledge, you know that, alhamdulillah, my iman is becoming stronger. So in that sense, you're making yourself more solid in terms of your faith, your iman. You become unwavering in that sense. So this is an example that you can take for tarbiyah in terms of your deen. But if you mean something else, tarbiyah in your overall ethic, work ethic, tarbiyah in terms of your you know, other parts of your life, then you have to look at them separately. I think the Sheikh answered that very comprehensively. One thing I would add is if you're able to, you know, connect with people that you would consider almost like a murabbi, you know, to help you in that process, you, you know, maybe in modern day nomenclature, like almost like a life coach that can look at you, assess you, give you that feedback, give you that nasiha. That's also very invaluable. So, uh, just as a follow-up, if, um, if if you're willing to to go in, go on the, on the journey of becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm. uh, but you would like more direction, where would you start as a as a? You want more di- direction? Like I said, you need to connect with people you trust, right. people who have knowledge, experience uh, that can help you with that process. Hundred percent. Like for example, if in my profession. You know, I want to become a better doctor, then I'm going to connect with people who have accomplished more than me, who I respect, who are experienced, who have knowledge that can help me on that journey, you know. So that, that's, you, you got to connect after, and of course, you, along every step of the way, whatever you do, like, uh, don't make the means the goal, right, so, or, or the source of your support so you're always asking Allah with a sincere heart if you ask Allah for that guidance then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide you means uh, to to do that you know so that's along every step of the way you know every step of the way and I've experienced that myself if I truly desire something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put people in my life that just enrich my life and I can learn from everybody you know what I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be a person even I would feel that has accomplished more than me in every sense. Maybe they accomplished more than me in some sense. So I want to take that part. And then, you know, because not everyone can be everything, right? So if you, you see someone, oh man, this is, this person is really good, uh, you know, for a person to follow for like ibadah. Like this is how I can get better in ibadah. This person, that's the benefit of the jama'ah, by the way. You know, the scholars, they say one of the, the reasons, the hikmah of, of jum'ah, for example, is that the poor can learn from the rich, or sorry, the, the rich can learn from the poor, the ones who don't have knowledge can learn from the ones who are knowledgeable, the ones, like, they can, when they interact and see each other, right? 
And if we can take that in a tarbiyah sense, like extrapolate that concept to a tarbiyah sense, then yeah, that's that's what it means to have like uh, a team, a jama'ah that you're part of, that you can learn from different people, uh, you know, in what areas maybe that they might specialize in or excel in. All right, Abdurrahman, you're up. So, Jazakumullah uh, khairan, Shiyuf, for this, uh, your time and uh, amazing wisdom and uh, experience you're sharing with us. So my question just follows up with the, the previous question about how to seek that tarbiyah from uh, someone you trust. I like to spin that and do it the other way around. Say, for example, all of us in Kamsun, Alhamdulillah, we've learned so much that we want to share with our families when we go back, mm. share with others. So how can you be that murabbi in yourself and teach what you've learned and at the same time be as efficient and not basically burnt out and get the most out of out of your time? Yeah. Well, in terms of uh, what you're asking, I, I think you're looking at being a role model for those back home, you know, subhanAllah. And this is important. Whenever you do learn something, make a point of applying it and... This is the beauty of ilm. It's not a matter of theory that sits in a book or you memorize it, that's good enough for me. No. It's a matter of taking that ilm, that knowledge, uh, putting it into practice. That is the ultimate fruit of all the ilm that you have. It is that you put it into practice, that you live by it. So that in itself to me is one of the greatest forms of tarbiyah. You learn something, you take it, you have the ethic within yourself that take what you've learned, put it into practice. So when you go back home, you can pass on the ilm that you have taken to family, to friends, and you can form a circle. You know, alhamdulillah, even with the brothers here at the camp, you can stay connected. You can, and nowadays it's so easy, on WhatsApp, on different social media platforms, you can stay connected, you can be there for each other, alhamdulillah. And then also ask questions, uh, ask advice, look for moral support, alhamdulillah. Uh, support in general. I think that all the tools are there before us. It's just us using it, utilizing it in a way that would be more beneficial to us, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. So, yeah, that's in terms of, you know, uh, I think being a role model and how we can best utilize the ilm that we, that we achieve, that we take, and how we can pass it on to others. I think it's really important for us to have a moment with ourselves at the end of the camp to kind of think, you know, subhanAllah, how best, uh, what is the best way to kind of fulfill uh, whatever you've taken, inshallah. Jazakallah. Also, I think one thing you should uh, uh, understand is context. So you had a certain experience and learning in a context here. And I see that also with, in general, with people when they go for learning or they spend time maybe in a course or a conference and they come back and then they try to give that tarbiyah. It's like, you don't get what I'm trying to tell you? Because they didn't learn. You like, you're trying to condense everything like maybe within an hour or a few minutes, but it took you maybe, you know, hours and days and months to learn something and to get to that level, right? So you have to appreciate the context. So when you're trying to guide, you know, people within your own family or within your own sphere of influence, then understand the approach might be different, the timing might be different, and your, um, You know, the, the the experience for them is going to be different. It's going to be different for sure. So it's going to be a different type of experience. So you, at the end of the day, want certain points or certain messages to, you know, be brought home. And so that's going to take a different approach, different timing. Yeah. 
So, as a university student, when I look back in first year, second year, and I was, I was just uh, trying to choose my specialization, and, and uh, I remember, uh, like, my approach was, okay, I'm going to look for something which I enjoy, I can make a living off of, and I can also make an impact with, right? But then, you know, if, if I look at the approach of my parents, it's, it's uh, much simpler than that, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, and I'm sure... Uh, there's something uh, uh, similar to that for, for other cultures as well. Yes. Is there is there something that we're missing? Like, is there a better approach to to, to other abuse? A better so you're saying between what you want and what your parents want, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Chef, you can start inshallah. Okay, so I can give you uh, an answer based on an autobiographical lens, which I think is a not necessarily the best answer, but to show you one way. So it's not like, I hate to say, oh, hey, I have the prototype of how you can balance everything. So my idea was like, you know, I love da'wah, I love serving the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I never want to be reliant on anybody um, for that, you know, to help me, to aid me in that, or somebody to be able to tell me I can't do that. So. In my mind, I was like, okay, I need to be independent. I need to have a profession where I have the freedom to go full tilt with the dawahs uh, as much as I want and uh, to be able to invest in you know, the personal development as well. So I have like probably not a formal uh, Islamic education, really. It's more of like guerrilla dawah and guerrilla like Islamic education. So, you know, going for a summer in Azhar, you know, going for a summer uh, in, uh, you know, Mecca and Medina and learning from the shiuch there, uh, you know, going to like uh, intensive, uh, you know, courses, taking like, you know, two years to learn a al fiqh, like, you know, things like that, you know what I mean? Like getting, you know, traveling to get ijaza and arba'in and nawi. You know, so like this was my approach is that I'm going to try to get as much as I can, um, you know, in the meantime and at the same time, um, you know, have like a profession where I can manage and I can take care of things without having it uh, being restrictive for what I want to do. Right. So do I like my profession? 100 percent. I do like it, you know, because I would think that I do spend a significant amount of time into that. And if I didn't like it, it would be very depressing and it would be really bad for just my well-being, you know, to do something. So I think when parents put them, put their children or force their children to do stuff, I have personally witnessed uh, brothers who are forced to, like, you can only be this one profession or one or two profession, and they went through depression. They were stressed out. They had, like, just such crazy internal turmoil. I've seen brothers try to commit suicide because of this no joke because the parent put like this is your jannah this profession this is the how they equivocated it to right and anytime you put your stock your hope and dreams and all your energy into the dunya it's always gonna like let you down it's always gonna fail you so a warning and an advice i would say to parents is that if you force your children to do something like that uh you're setting them themselves for failure you're you're setting them up for that they are going to like I've seen I have seen with my own eyes uh, a parent cry 
because I can't get through to my child. The child's in medicine, by the way. But now that child is like so depressed. You understand what I'm saying? And I see this actually a common phenomenon because a lot of times it gets built up so much that, oh, you get into this profession and that's all you need to do. That's your main goal in life. Once you get into it and you find how unsatisfying it is and like, okay, what do I do with my life now? This isn't as meaningful as I thought it would be. Like the other people who are in this profession are not necessarily good people. You know what I mean? It's a huge letdown. Okay. So um, I think generally speaking, I think what you said in terms of trying to find meaning in what you do, that is very important. That is, I think, uh, you know, true for anything, whether you're doing it as just like a, a way of providing for your family or if it's other interests. And, you know, I'm assuming maybe you have a major interest in like, you know, serving the dean, right? Serving the community and things like that. So um, that, you know, so my approach was to be able to, you know, be in a profession that I enjoy, but is not overbearing that doesn't completely define me. That's not who I am. You know what I mean? It's just a part of me and I do other things as well and I'm trying to grow and develop. You understand what I'm saying? So that was my autobiographical path, you know, to answer your question. In terms of a general noun nasihat to people, I would say regardless of anything, you should do something that um, has meaning and aligns with your purpose in life. And a purpose uh, for a Muslim is very clear. So does that mean everyone has to do the same thing? No, you that can manifest itself in different ways, but it should have meaning to it. You understand what I'm saying? It should be meaningful. Like for example, if you're a guy who um, is a social media expert, for example, just going off by some of the beautiful skits uh, <laughs> that I witnessed uh, the other day. So your your see your profession is your social media guru. You help people build their brands. If you're just like a gun for hire, you'll work for anybody, that's meaningless, I would say. But, hey, I want to elevate people that need to be elevated. Like there's this sheikh here, he really hates social media. He doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't want to have a big name. Actually, I want to help elevate him because I can. his message can bring a lot of khair to the world. You understand know what I'm saying? So now you're doing something because you want to have meaning to what you're doing. You know what I mean? So. That, that would be my nasiha in a, in a nutshell. Um, it's, it, it is tough because you get a, a tremendous amount of pressure from parents, society, all of those things. But at the end of the day, you're the one who has to put in the work. Don't do it for somebody else. The only one you should really do anything for is at the end of the day is Allah SWT. Sure. Just maybe add just two things to what Dr. Singh said, Jazallah khairan. And that is in terms of, you know, the parents giving a certain direction to their children. We want to see you as a doctor, a lawyer, uh, you know, a profession or an engineer, a profession that kind of brings a lot of money in their perception that it's really a cash job. Now, not always is the parent, you know, uh, concerned on account of dunya reasons uh, alone. I've seen some parents who, you know, they're concerned genuinely for their children because the kid's choice of profession was not the best to go into fashion into the fashion industry for example mm. and they were losing you know sleep over this this is our child the best of school suddenly why would you go in the industry what's there for you so that's why they're pushing in this specific instance is either become a doctor engineer or a lawyer something that's they said you know that is muhtaram that's respectable 
not something that you're going to go and make a mockery of yourself or our family name. So I think, you know, when we do make a choice in life, yes, it is personal to us. We choose it. But at the same time, we shouldn't become selfish whereby we completely knock out the parents and tell them, you know what? I don't care what you've done mm. for me. It's out the window. They've spent their entire lives raising us. You know, basically, yeah, I mean, the effort and money they put into us from day one till that point, it's un Im immeasurable because if they weren't there for you, you would be lost. So I would say, yes, take what they say in stride, respectfully. And then, you know, if your parents don't understand the choice that you want to make, let's say it's a choice that you know legitimately is something good. Let's say you want to go into social, uh, you know, like uh, an engineer that's not what they perceive, something else, right? Or you want to go into uh, web design, something. And your parents don't get why not what I'm telling you. You can then sit down, respectfully explain to them. Maybe the concern that your parents have is that can you sustain yourself? Is there a future in this? When you do explain to them, I think that would bring down the, the, the fear that they have because their fear is that my child would basically suffer, would have no income, would be poor, and they'll be more or less a burden upon society. That's what they don't want. They want to see you. And this is, I think, every, I can speak for parents, every parent wants to see their children more successful than, the, than their own selves. So that in mind, I think, you know, to go and strive, not to just knock out what they're saying, look at it respectfully, have a discussion. And that's the problem. We don't have, usually, you don't have that discussion with our parents. It's just, just an assumption after they put so much into raising us, an assumption, oh, they don't, they don't get me. Well, they were there from day one for you. Mm -hmm. So how can they suddenly not get you in that moment? They want what's best for you here. But of course, their perception might be different than yours. Like I said, a good conversation, an open link between you and them, that's important, right? Other thing is, let's say you do choose to go in a profession that they see fit for you. So becoming a doctor, engineer, whatever it is. You have to understand that likewise, uh, one of the most beloved things that you can do in Islam is to be in a place whereby you can benefit others. So there is, a, I think, a balance that you must strike between what I feel good with, what I have enjoyment in, a feel that I feel really good with, and also that balance whereby we want to give back to our society, to our community, right? So you have to have an even balance there. So it cannot just be my own gratification and satisfaction because that might bring you somewhere, but then suddenly it goes down. When you lose it, you lose everything more or less. But if you have a balance whereby, you know what, it's, yeah, I want to enjoy what I'm doing. At the same time, I want to give back to my community, right? And in this way, when you have that approach, it's a balanced approach, and then you realize in the end that any profession that you, that you go into as a Muslim, it's a potential for ibadah. So you have to ask yourself, where is that potential greatest? In the, in, if one enters the, the realm of social media, yeah, there's a great, great, mashallah, chance for ibadah in this. I'm talking about people who go into, you know, maybe web design and, you know, the app design, anything else that, or even this media, you know, uh, entering that field. Uh, all of this, subhanallah, has a great potential for da'wah. So you look at the field that you're entering into with that understanding that I want this to become a source of uh, good deeds for me. How can I do it? I can use my field, my expertise, in a way that's befitting of a Muslim and beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Same thing with anything else. So you have to look at it from that balance, plus looking at it likewise from this perspective of, of it potentially being an ibadah. And how best can you use that field, you know, or, or to utilize it to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and I'll just end with this. Someone like, you know, the parents sometimes, and they see their kids going into weird, looking at weird industries, fashion design. How can that become an ibadah? Yeah, that might be a slim thing, but if I'm to compare the potential of that industry to, for example, something else, it's like a huge... Or modeling, like if yeah, you want to yeah, be a, a male model. Or an actor or something, you know, subhanAllah. Or a rapper. Yeah. Or, you know, what, what, those, what, the hardcore game, that they get tons of money. Streamers? Yeah, that, that, you have some people that do that. They go nuts, insane. They stream their... And that's 24-7 playing games, mashallah. Yeah, it brings a lot of money in, but for how long? But Sheikh, what if they can give Dow on this chat function? Allah ya Sheikh, subhanAllah. You know, I, I agree with Sheikh, like, um, you know, you, maybe you have a dream profession, but you have to also be accountable and take responsibility, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and part of that can be listening to the input of, of your, your parents, because they have experience and, and whatnot, so... Um, that goes, uh, I think, hand in hand with if you're truly finding meaning, then you consult and you investigate and you look into things and you don't just have like your own um, lofty idea about something. You know what I mean? I remember um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional hockey player. And my dad just dashed those dreams <laughs> so brutally Allah honest. Allah you know what I mean? Like, you know, like... Immigrant parents don't fool around, man. They don't mince words. They don't. They don't sugarcoat things. He just looked at me. He's like, huh, "You're gonna be? No, it's not happening, <laughs> right? Have you seen yourself? Allah, <laughs> Have you seen your right? So, like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes we're dreamers. Like, we can't also be that. I see some brothers who are too like idealistic and too dreamers. Like, they think they'll get married and there's no source of income. Like, you're gonna live off your allowance. You know what I mean? You're gonna go to the the the, the girl's father. And and propose that the girl the gar, girl's father be like, so what do you do? What do I do? Well, my full time job is to love your daughter. It's not gonna fly as shit. You've just been laid off, you know. <laughs> like, who's gonna marry to someone like that, right? Like, you need to have a plan. So, if, say for example, you do have a dream plan that maybe not necessarily um, is making you money now. You have to show. Practically speaking, hey, I'm, I'm going to be able to pay my bills uh, if I get to that point. Like, so, for example, you want to start your own business or your, um, you know, the, the social media thing or whatever. It's like, okay, you know what? I But I am, this is my plan of how I'm going to make it work. And if you actually show your parents, say you have a conversation, they give their input, you give their input. It's like, you know what? I've actually calculated the numbers. This is the potential in this industry. This is how I'm going to get there. So they, when they look at it and you, you've taken like responsibility and you show maturity, it's like a realistic type of plan, like as a thought out plan, then it gives you credibility in what you want to do as well. So you're not like in that dreamer state, like, okay, uh, it's so idealistic. Like, I just got to do this and everything's going to be roses, you know? All right, so maybe we'll. Uh, oh, one well, last one. Okay, go ahead. for all the great knowledge and nasiha that you've shared so far. Just one final question, um, just to end off. From your personal uh, advice to us and the brothers uh, here at Finish Up This Camp, uh, you know, round table. And kind of afterwards, when you have to go back home and into the different situations and circumstances that arise in the dunya, what is one advice that you can give to us about how to stay long-term in the dawah? How can we ensure our longevity in 
you know, in, in this noble work uh, and not like kind of fall away, fall, fall by the wayside. SubhanAllah, we've seen so many, you know, uh, fellow brothers uh, and sisters who we worked with maybe in MSAs or whatever other organizations. And SubhanAllah, there's so many, sometimes it's, it's very rare that you have people who stay with you for a long time in this work. How can we either together or united um, or just even personally, what are your advices for how we can, you know, stay in this long term for, for that end goal, uh, inshallah? Uh, well, it, you know, for the benefit of uh, our audience, we've discussed this a couple of days ago, and that is uh, you need to have a clear mission in life. If you don't have a clear mission in life and you just play along of what society expects of you, you've just been operationalized for somebody else's mission. So whether it's um, it's modern materialistic society's mission of just making you a producer and consumer or, you know, uh, somebody else, okay, uh, their organization, their company, whatever, uh, if you want to stay upon something, if you feel that was important, it has to be part of the mission in your life. And if it is a mission, that means it's like, it's a main driving force that is immutable, that doesn't change. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter even if you become disabled. Like if we look at some of the great ulama, scholars, they were blind, Chef, right? So we have like giants who, uh, didn't even have the faculty but it was their mission you know their mission was the dean and because their mission was the dean nothing really stopped them from doing that right like if we look at the um, statement of Abdullah bin Abbas and you've mentioned the Sheikh as well I, I recall of when he was with his companion and he said let's learn from the Sahaba you know we, uh, you know before you know it was after the death of Prophet and he's like you know he's young at the time like 13 years old he's a, he's a he's a young teenager he's like we have them today tomorrow who knows what will happen so like, you want to become you know like uh, like them like a sheikh like to compete with the with the scholars and he left he left his companion because that was his mission and he would wait outside their homes in the beating down of the sun and the wind would be blowing in his face and the sand would be blowing in his face and he's he has a mission though i have to learn the hadith and you know sometimes they would say listen uh, you know, you're the relative of the Prophet ﷺ. We can come to you. It's like, no, it's more appropriate for me to come to you. You, you know what I mean? So And so on one issue, he has so many hadith. You can't open a book uh, a, a book of tafsir without having the narrations of uh, Abdullah bin Abbas. Uh, so that was his mission, right? doesn't matter what circumstances changed, he stayed upon that mission, right? So if you make that really, you're authentically, you internalize it, this is a main mission in your life, you find a way to accomplish it. And because people, you know what I find? Uh, I, I find, I, I, and this is by me advising hundreds and hundreds of people. What I find when people ask you, okay, I want to do this, give me the steps on how to do this. Usually, eight times or nine times out of ten they won't accomplish that uh, task or what they want to become you know I would say like 80 to 90 percent of the time they won't why because you'll tell them but they won't really 
practice it because it's not their mission. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if your mission, if I, if I, if there is a wall in front of you, if there's a wall in front of you and your mission is to get through that wall and all you had is a spoon, you would get through that wall. You would find a way to get through that wall. You would like dig underneath it. You would chip away for years and years and years and years and you would find a way you would climb. You would do something to get you. You maybe make some chips for your footholds for your feet and you'd find a way to do it. You'll, you'll like your, your, your mind would just start turning. My mission, I can't stop every breath. I got to get through that wall. If that mission was not to get through that wall and I gave you a bulldozer, you still will not be able to get through that wall. It's not the like the how necessarily the how the steps because if it's your mission in life you will seek and search and you won't stop until you find the how. The problem it's it's not the it's not the people's real mission in life. You know how how do I become more organized in life? You know how do I become more like you know effective leader? Okay, uh, I can give you some advice of things that I've done, what people of knowledge have said. Oh, wow, wow, that sounds really nice. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? It's so cool. One year later. So how do I become an effective leader? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Mission, man. You have to have a, a clear mission. You will find. You will find a way. You know, Imam Bukhari, he hears there's a, his, his mission is to gather the hadith of Rasul I have to travel for six months to get a single hadith? No problem. It's my mission. You, you understand what I'm saying? So um, that is the first step is to make a strong mission in your life. If it's part of your mission, nothing can stop you. Nobody can stop you. Inshallah ta'ala. I just want to add one small thing. I mean, it's nothing... Uh... It's, it goes hand in hand with Dr. Sayyid, what, what you've mentioned, and that is, uh, you know, sometimes at, uh, in a camp like Camp Sunnah, and this is no doubt a, a very special camp, I've not seen anything like it anywhere. When you are in the camp and you, you leave it, you have such a huge Iman boost. And what I find is that, you know, uh, you'll find yourself really encouraged to take on so much all at once. And when you do so much all at once, you know, you, you, you experience a burnout. Give it a week, a month. At one point, you can no longer maintain what you're doing. The reason you can maintain it over here, you have that ukhuwa, the brotherhood, the support. You have that, you know, the, the, the brotherhood in general gives you that iman boost that's difficult to describe or put into words. So when you're alone at home, uh, among your family, it's not the same. It's different. It's a more relaxed environment. So when you want, when you want to maintain that ethic of worship that, you were, that you're in over here, Right, the uh, what you're doing throughout the course of the day, get up for the morning activities and uh, go on to do Quran afterwards, read some tafsir, learn some of the deen. It's easy here, but difficult on your own. So, all, my advice to uh, to you, Akhi, is that um, don't do more than what you can bear. At, at you know, right there and then, the Prophet sallallahu told us when he was asked by that companion. Um, what is the most beloved deed in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was asked this multiple times. Different sahaba asked the same question. Every time the answer was different. So Rasulullah would assess the person before him. What is in his strength? What's best suited for this person? So in this instance, when Rasulullah saw that sahabi, he said that you 
be consistent in the ibadah even if it's something minute for what is done consistently is most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you know if you if you take one or two things that you know for a fact that you can maintain those those things I would say stay the course push yourself drive yourself to kind of maintain those few things and be consistent on them so when you now have incorporated those few adab these akhlaq be it something that you know you really have a liking to in terms of the camp and you've incorporated this in the course of your day now you've, you've been doing it for the past few months add something else whereas if you were to take everything all at once to take the model of camp sunnah in your home i can guarantee you you're not going to last even a few days it'll fall apart because you can't do it so in that case take something from here that you can implement directly be consistent with it and once you have you know gone the course with that deed alhamdulillah do the next thing and the next thing so what i'm saying is basically take things in a slower fashion baby steps until you get to the point where you're now mashallah on that same level of iman as you are here among your brothers so remember as always we want to live by the haq die by the haq and just when you think life is stuck tune in to life haq <laughs> do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.